to always get the latest Game Tea, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at The Game Tea Podcast. We post frequently, giving you podcast updates, posting gaming news, and the occasional meme. Check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. everybody and welcome to another episode of the game tea podcast my name is jp i'm zach and i'm czar zach how are you feeling lately bud well um you know i feel like just like everyone else but i'm gonna use an excuse this week i've worked about 75 hours probably at my job dude you are i don't know how you're even talking to us on this podcast right now props to zach i mean like jp you go to school full-time and you work at the other place a lot too and but at least we have this wonderful podcast event and tom fuller around i mean you're not wrong what about you czar how have you been doing lately um it's been a little bit stressful um yeah covid kind of shut my job down again so now i'm i'm on the hunt again and this morning i had to take colby's dog bed away from her because she shredded it now she has no place to sleep (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so, sorry. I shouldn't be laughing, but that's really funny. I just imagine her like, well, are you going to buy me a new bed or not? What do you mean I have to sleep on the floor? <laughs> this is bogus. Oh, she's going to not have a good night. Well, I'm doing all right. <laughs> good job, JP. Proud of yeah, you. gold star for JP. Things are weird right now, but you know what? Video games always have our backs, and that's why we started this podcast in the middle of a pandemic. Because we're smart, right, guys? Smart? So smart. Um, (laughs) All right, Zach, just give us the lowdown. What are we doing today? Today on the podcast, we are talking about Ubisoft. More like Ubi after your money. Ha! PS5 being a chongus. Xbox streaming. Ghost of Tsushima updates. Bethesda's 4D skills. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about Fallout 76 with that. And then we'll go into game releases. <laughs> I'm sorry, Zach. What was that last thing? Fallout 76. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just want to make sure I heard you properly. <laughs> and then we'll go into game releases with more actual good games. Not the one that I just mentioned. That's fair. <laughs> that, that's fair. <laughs> Speaking of crappy companies that just take your money, let's talk about Ubisoft. Ubisoft just released a beautiful article. And basically, I just want to give you guys some talking points here. I'm just going to kind of recite a little bit of the article. And I want you to tell me one thing. Do you think DLC was planned while they were making this or after the fact? Do you think they made a complete game or do you think they pieced apart their game so they can sell it back to you for a higher price? So hear this out. I mean, it's just small plans, guys. Just some small plans because the game hasn't even released yet. But here's their here's their roadmap post-launch. Okay. Two major expansions will come in the to the game in 2021 as part of the season pass. And the first round of post-launch content begins this December, and the game releases in November, guys. The post-launch content begins this December with the release of season one, which will include access to free seasonal content and game events like the Viking Yule Festival, as well as new settlement buildings and game modes. Check below for a full rundown of what else is planned for season one, which will be available for free to all players. So far, so good, right? Like, I like free. 
Uh, yeah. Before we continue, that seems very, you know, duh to me. Like, you include holiday-themed events. They're overusing the word free here because those timed events are just, you know, fun tidbits and games that are included. You shouldn't have to advertise they're free. You are absolutely right. And so we'll we'll see where these end up. I mean, usually these free content updates are kind of like little morsels to tide you over. Nom, 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 nom. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> a new settlement area allowing players to continue to grow and evolve their settlement. A traditional Viking festival, the Yule Festival, for players to experience in their settlement. A new game mode, the River Raids, building on Valhalla's core rating mechanic. This mode will deliver dynamic, challenging, and highly replayable raid experience. I love raids, so that's pretty cool. The addition of rankings of ranks for Yom's Viking and Assassin's Creed Valhalla players can create a lieutenant to be a part of their raiding crew, but also recruit some of their friends in their community. In Season 1, players learn update to Yom's Viking feature that will allow the Yom's Viking to earn XP and rank up. So you kind of level up your own like little lieutenant, which is, I mean, that's pretty neat. And so it sounds like this is part of the free update, so it's not too bad just yet, guys. Not, not yet. I was going to say, so far this honestly doesn't sound too bad. I'm like, okay. Sounds really intricate and, you know, piques my interest. Season 2, also free to all players, will follow in March 2021 and will also include free content, including a new combat-oriented game mode a Yom's Viking update, and settlement festivals, along with new gear and cosmetic items. Details on Season 3 won't, will be revealed at a later date, but Season 2 isn't the only content coming in 2021. Do you think a leprechaun will be an enemy that you'll fight in Ireland? Oh, I hope so. It better be. <laughs> fight a pack of angry leprechauns. Hey, how many leprechauns do you think you could take? All of them. <laughs> Okay, so I've changed my mind. It's all free, so I'm less salty. I was gonna, that's where I was going with this, is it sounds like this is all actually pretty good. There's a very subtle and clever strategy that a lot of these gaming companies use when they're trying to boast expansions where they start off by giving you all the things that they're giving you for free, right? Like, oh, we'll have free online multiplayer and free da-da-da-da-da. But it's usually features that you would 100% expect to be free in the game. And that's when they start tacking on Oh, also, one month later, there's going to be this, you know, exclusive content that's coming out in these season passes that you only have to pay $30 for. And it's like they make it seem like you're getting a lot of stuff in the beginning with the game so that they can, like, make it seem like what they're about to give you in this season one, season two pass is, you know, something amazing something that they just couldn't possibly have included when they were actually creating the game. That just doesn't make sense. This article is striking me a little bit oddly because it's so focused on everything that's free. But knowing this company, my only question is, well, then what do we pay for? And that's my major concern. It's weird to see that season passes are going to be free for an Ubisoft game. Well, luckily, we don't even really have to guess that much because we've seen several Assassin's Creed games already, uh, many of which have already been been involved with, you know, the DLC era of gaming. So we don't really have to guess. There's going to be a season pass that comes along with this game. Not to mention it's a trend that Zach mentioned earlier where Ubisoft is, you know, enthralled with doing this type of big business practice to begin with. We don't really have to guess what's going to happen here. We've already been seeing it happen 
time and time again with modern gaming. I um, just want to give you guys a price difference. So the Assassin's Creed um, Gold Edition, which includes the season pass, is $100. Yep, sounds about right. Assassin's Creed Standard Edition is $60. So if all that stuff is free, you are wondering what is it that you're paying that 40 bucks for? It is COVID season, so you know that this game probably didn't go as planned, so they probably did need to break some of these things up. Not to mention they lost a creative director, and that which we talked about episodes ago, and there's been a lot of chaos that's kind of, you know, ensued to the culmination of this game release, so. Not even the game release, but the entire company as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and with that, guys, um, are you thinking about getting Assassin's Creed Valhalla? I, I definitely am. Unfortunately, it'll be backlogged because I still have yet to play another Assassin's Creed past two. And I really wanted to, but I've just never immersed myself and gotten the chance. And I do, I really, really do like Assassin's Creed games. I love the premise of the game itself. I love, the games are always fantastic products. It's just like supporting the game is also supporting these sleazy business practices for these game companies, in my opinion. But what's great is like these prices. So the initial price of Valhalla is going to be what we expect. You know, Zach brought it up, the $100 Deluxe Edition and the $60 Standard. The only really nice thing about the way gaming is when you have these particular business practices is that the sales usually come on very, very quickly. Give it a year and this game is going to be like, you know, for $25, you get that Deluxe Edition. It's going to be the hardcore Assassin's Creed fans that really go for that top shelf price. And I, I feel like every single month I check Xbox at one point during the month, there's a huge Ubisoft sale on all of their games. So this is going to go down in price really quickly. Exactly. So are oh, you stole my point? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say I bought um, Mario and Rabbids on Black Friday for like 25 bucks. And then they like did the DLC pass and it was like oh, another 20 bucks for DLC pass. But then it was on sale again, like two months later for like five bucks. So um, this is a game for me personally that I'm going to wait till it goes on big time sales and then I'll buy it. And luckily, you know, this is a game where I'd want it on my PC anyway, so I can get the full experience with the graphics fidelity. One of the biggest selling points with having a PC is the fact that you have these sales much more frequently. So. There is that, but still, I understand the point that you were trying to make earlier, Zach. Well, I'm less salty because it's free, but I'm still mad because Ubisoft. They're giving all the free stuff, but do not be fooled. There is definitely pricey DLC coming that could have easily been included in the game that they'd rather continuously monetize. Like, I understand. JP, will you do me a favor? Yes, sir. Will you do an ASMR version of saying fidelity again? I just love when you say that word. Fidelity. Oh, that's that good shit oh yeah <laughs> oh, get me all hot and bothered that's the stuff jp with that you gotta talk about your big boy are you ready the next article comes to us from pureplaystation.com which by the way i don't know how i didn't know the site exists this is like heaven for me what do you think the site's about i don't know probably xbox or something who knows <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not gonna get into like the bit by bit details here but like the article is essentially talking about the design of the PlayStation 5 itself, because it's a very unique, weird looking design that honestly, you know, the first time I saw it in the State of Play event back in, oh God, what was that, July now? When it was on, what the PlayStation 5 was gonna look like was unveiled. It's odd looking. 
There's no doubt about that. And the question is, why is it so big? Why does it stand like a tower? It chonk. It's chonky. <laughs> Damn, boy, he thick. Boy, thick. With eight C's. Oh my God. <laughs> I can actually answer that question without even having to get into the spe- like what the article is saying. And I did review the article just to make sure that my talking points were along what um, was being asked here. Because essentially the question, why is the PlayStation 5 so big? Why does it look the way it does? It was answered by Yashuhiro Atori. Um, he was the guy who we saw in the PlayStation 5 breakdown video. So here's the thing. And this isn't just exclusive to the PlayStation 5, by the way. This will also answer your question about why are PC towers so big? Why is the Xbox Series X looking the way it does? It's airflow. You've got a lot of really, really big components that are going into these consoles now. For the PlayStation 5, I think with what I saw with like the uh, design specs, there's two separate motherboards that are being used um, for you know your CPU and your GPU along with working together with the solid state drive technology. That's a lot of heat, boys. <laughs> These things could be used as space heaters along with being used as gaming consoles. I am not kidding about that. Oh, winter is coming up and I ain't paying for heat, so. <laughs> Just to- <laughs> Honey, turn on the Xbox. <laughs> it's cold as hell. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, the point is that these consoles uh, are being designed with airflow in mind, especially and honestly, I don't even think the PlayStation 5 is the better guy to look at for this. I think the Xbox Series X has done a much better job of breaking down how its airflow works. But like I said, it's universally you can universally look at it like for all gaming consoles and it still applies the same. It's about airflow. The big challenge with uh, these companies designing these consoles right now, and you can especially see this with PlayStation, is trying to fit a sleek, modern design onto your TV stand, but still make it actually, you know, properly engineered for airflow. Because I mean, like, that if you look at what the PlayStation 5 looks like, slim and sleek is the name of the game here. That is exactly what I thought of when I first saw the console, except, oh my God, this is kind of ugly, but I don't know yet. I just have to wait for it to sit. I don't know if you guys felt the exact same way after you saw the PlayStation 5. Uh, it's the Wi-Fi router. It's the Wi-Fi router. Xbox, the PC, and your Switch is the monitor. Zach, similar sentiments? I love exactly um, what they're doing. I like big and overpowering and... Um, I think this is a really cool generation, even though it's definitely full of the greatest memes of all time. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. Wi-Fi refrigerator. What you say? The, the switch is the toaster? It'd be the, the toaster. Switch is, yeah, the switch is the toaster <laughs> with the dock. <laughs> no, no, no. The PS5 is the Wi-Fi router. The okay. Xbox is your PC tower, and your Nintendo Switch is your monitor. I've been seeing the Series X be more akin to a refrigerator. In fact, did you guys see that meme of Snoop Dogg? with like his Xbox Series X refrigerator and he opened it up and there was an Xbox Series X and an Xbox Series X cake. I'll share the video with you later because it's hysterical. Was that when the cake thing was like everywhere that people would cut into stuff and it was always a cake? No, but uh, we're not going to talk about that because that- That is mind-bending shit, JP. Yeah, that, <laughs> that era of memes really messed with me for a while. <laughs> I was like, it was a fever dream. Okay, anyway, long story short, why is the PlayStation 5 so big? Airflow. 
The challenge is trying to figure out, okay, we just made this incredibly powerful console that will literally melt in four seconds if we do not have a proper way to make sure it's ventilated. That's the that's what's going on. And I, I don't know this for sure because like I haven't had a PlayStation 5 in my hands and I haven't been able to examine one up close. But if you look at like the grill on the black center of the PlayStation 5, there are slits that are going all along the sides where there's that blue LED ring. I imagine that is all completely for airflow purposes. There's probably gonna be like a fan pulling that air in from the front, cooling all the components on the inside and pushing it back out. And that's kind of why the PlayStation 5 is so chonky. What people gotta realize is that for as big as it is, it's mostly empty. Like it's got so much empty space to optimize that airflow when most people would think if they cracked open their PS5, it would just be full of electronic components. Especially the motherboard. If you look at a motherboard, you were, I was shocked the first time I saw a motherboard when I got into PC building and like, this is it? And you can, you can even see that with your PC. If you look inside, if you've got one with like a glass panel, it's a pretty big tower for something that honestly doesn't take up nearly as much space as you thought it would. There is manufacturing costs to making bigger consoles, not to mention it takes away from the sleek aesthetic that PlayStation and Xbox are going for with these consoles. So they really are trying to do a better job of, you know, making as much with the space as they can. Um, but yeah, airflow is the big thing. Keeping these things cool. That's what the catalyst is for making these design the way that they are. So yeah, pretty much answers that question. Any questions? I'll answer your question with the question. Do you like ghosts, JP? No. <laughs> ghost. I do like Ghost of Tsushima, however. So thank you for that segue, Zach. Wee-oo-wee-oo. <laughs> <laughs> Great segues with Zach. We need to make yeah. a song that says that. <laughs> so we spoke a little while ago, as in a couple of episodes of the podcast ago, um, about what Ghost of Tsushima is doing uh, as far as expanding the game with, I want to say DLC, but most of it's actually going to be free, which is incredible. So I guess you could just call them like expansions and just further developing the game. So we have a little bit of a plan here. The first thing that we're going to be talking about is weekly challenges, which will go into effect at 8 a.m. Pacific time every Friday. It's going to feature a two-player story mission and a four-player survival mission with specific weekly modifiers. I think that's really cool. What I absolutely love about what they're doing with this game is obviously the fact that, you know, okay, you beat the story, but we want you to get as much bang for your buck with buying our amazing game. So we're giving you this stuff for free and we're going to be changing it up every week. I think it's incredibly unique to have these survival missions, especially with a two-player and a four-player multiplayer, especially with, you know, the conditions for getting more things changing weekly. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, and you know, we uh, we talked quite a few episodes ago about how they were introducing a multiplayer to this game, and we were a little more than suspicious about it, because, you know, these heavily story-driven Don't games be suspicious. can... Don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. Don't Zach's... be suspicious. Zach, you're acting pretty sus. Yeah. Sus. Zach is sus. Hey, yo, JP, you're sus, bro. You, you're the one who said sus first, so you're the sussiest sus here, sus head. Oh, God, you're right. 
Czar's dead body is still on the floor. <laughs> Somebody pick him up and throw him in the trash. Oh, as if you wouldn't be the one to kill us. You're the most sus person here. <laughs> real, though, real though, you told us what you do with scary movies, scary houses, man. Fuck you. You're first one to die anyway. I don't care if it's obvious. I'm killing you right away. We're shadowing to our next episode. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that later. As I interrupted both of these fine gentlemen. <laughs> yes. We, we, we talked. Were, oh. No, this is me. Oh, this is oh. me. <laughs> Zach, are you all right? No, the coffee's kicked in. I'm scared. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, we were very suspect of this and guys look at all this shit they're putting in here what a multiplayer okay that's all i want to say it's you sorry you get <laughs> zach i can give you a little bit to talk about because that's not the only thing that's coming to ghost of tsushima they've got another section in here called get raid ready i love raiding i know you do so friday october 30th we're gonna be uh seeing some more tale of eo and that is going to be some raid challenges Okay, JP, what are the raids like in this game? Because I am a buffoon when it comes to this stuff. I'm glad you asked. So apparently from what they're telling us in the article, the raid is going to be divided into three chapters and requires a full team of four ghosts, as well as excellent coordination and communication. And I don't know if you're, I know Zach's big into raids, but if you're not big into raids, communication is absolutely 100% the key there. So I'm glad that they highlighted that. Uh, do you do much raiding stuff at all, Zar? I mean, I've done Pokemon raids and things. <laughs> oh, that's like baby. That's like baby's first raid. But if you're talking about like Destiny or Anthem raids, no, I, I haven't really gotten on board with those co-op ready games. Hey, Zar, I gotta ask, how have you never played World of Warcraft? You just really strike me as a World of Warcraft guy. Because I was too busy playing a good game called RuneScape. <laughs> <laughs> I want a new person in the podcast. <laughs> Never mind. Zach might be the one to kill us. Um, raiding is so much fun, guys. I think it's like oh, just like all the intense communication. And then when you're with your friends and you can just dick around, like, oh, this makes it so much fun. I need to get JP and Zara into World of Warcraft just for like a solid two weeks and just see what happens, guys. I just want to see what happens. Um, I'd fail all my classes. I'd lose my job. I'd lose my friends, but I'd have some sweet kick-ass gear. I would become one with my chair. There would be no distinction between me and the chair. <laughs> <laughs> Just to die this little section about Ghost of Tsushima up, there's also some bug fixes that are coming, but those are never anything super fun. So that's pretty much it. Like we've been saying, the fact that Ghost of Tsushima is as big as it is, and yet is putting all of this stuff in the game for free is a testament, in my opinion, of how much Sucker Punch really wants to give back to the people who supported this game. I call it the reverse Ubisoft. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounds like a sex move, but I looked it up. It is not. <laughs> not yet. The reverse Ubisoft. <laughs> so many images going through my head right now. None of them worth sharing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, please don't. Please <laughs> stop. Zar, I'm done. This next guy belongs to you. All right. So our next article is entitled Xbox Streaming Sticks, and this comes to us from TheVerge.com and is written by Tom Warren. So the article starts out with good old Phil Spencer discussing the potential for additional tiers of Xbox Game Pass, which could include a free bundled TV stick to play xCloud games. Hmm. Yeah, so basically they're making their own uh, Kindle Fire Stick or like Roku. This is interesting. 
yeah, never saw that one coming. Phil goes on to say, I think you're going to see lower priced hardware as part of our ecosystem. When you think about streaming sticks and other things that somebody might want to just go and plug into their TV and go play via xCloud, uh, says Spencer, you could imagine us even having something that we just included in the Game Pass subscription that gave you an ability to stream xCloud games to your television and buying the controller. I figured that the next logical step for, you know, everybody talking about how great Game Pass was going to be was probably going to include some type of tiered subscription service. But I just didn't, I couldn't imagine what you would get for being a part of the higher tier that you wouldn't get for being a part of the lower tier. You know, it's like, what would you do? Like include more free games. But I guess we got our answer here. Yeah. Um, it, it seems very plug and play, very portable. So no matter where you go, you can just stick a thumb drive into your TV as long as you have a controller and you got every Xbox game imaginable right in front of you. That sounds awesome. And honestly, where I thought they were gonna go next with the xCloud was kind of taking on Stadia and soon to be Luna's uh, platform by you know making it more mobile and really emphasizing it on your phone or tablet. Mm -hmm. But I never thought they would go the way of Roku, but that's, that's actually kind of cool. The game tier platinum for Xbox Game Pass will guarantee uh, access to the new Xbox hardware. So if you go full price, you'll get these new goodies. Do have they listed what that price is going to be yet? Actually, it's right here in the article. Microsoft has so far only bundled xCloud game streaming with its highest Xbox Game Pass Ultimate tier at $15 a month. It's hard to say how many tiers because that's the thing that they haven't really talked about is how many more tiers are they actually going to do and what is each tier going to get you? If this xCloud game streaming thing gets bundled in with the $14.99 a month, I mean, I think that's a pretty solid deal. Yeah, for everything you're getting, that's that's not terrible. And I mean, I'm not usually one to subscribe to monthly services unless they're essential like Xbox Live or Nintendo Online and such. But I mean, this may be a service that I subscribe to because it's a bitch lugging your Xbox around everywhere. Did you say it's a bitch logging your Xbox around? Yes. Sorry, let me tell you a story here about Xbox exclusives. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Halo, Gears of War. Yes. That's it. That's it. That's, that's it. That's it. <laughs> I was waiting for more. <laughs> I was waiting for more. I'm just gonna I'm just saying this right now. I love I love Xbox. I shit them a lot, but like, come on, man. Like, I mean, like, this is neat. But like you're you're leaving your Xbox at home. Like, come on, when's the last time you had a LAN party? Which don't get me wrong, we should have more LAN parties. But we still. absolutely should have more LAN parties. LAN parties are great. Yeah, that sounds awesome. But no, like because I got all my <laughs> streaming services. I got the Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, all that stuff on my Xbox, and I don't. I'm not logged in on my laptop. And I don't know. It's nice to switch between TV and games. But honestly, I've been taking my Switch everywhere I go now just because it's more portable. And that's the whole shtick behind the Switch. But, you know, with these like little sticks with the streaming service, I thought it was so incredibly gimmicky when the first time we saw it was with Stadia. But then you see Luna coming out and now you're seeing Xbox proposing it. And it's just like, is there more to this than just a gimmick? You know, is there some type of behind the scenes unanimous decision that this is the direction gaming should be going 
it's really hard to tell. Well, clearly these game companies, um, and not even game companies, because we got Google and Samsung, they're just trying to force video games to go in a different direction. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to say if it'll be successful or if it'll completely flop. I think it's going to be, I think Xbox is on the train of the X cloud. I think that's going to be pretty big in like four years here. Oh yeah. We keep saying it's one of the best values in gaming. And with their momentum at this moment in time, it just seems impossible that they could fail. I don't know what Xbox are. We'll find out. Yeah. They're, they're pretty good at shit in the bed last minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next on the docket boys. So next up is Bethesda playing 4d chess boys 4d chess. And by that, I mean, what the fuck is going on here? So I read this article and I was intrigued. So this article is coming to us from PC Gamer. And I tried to throw in some talking points, but it's a lot. So I'm going to try and go through this. And then I want to have Zar, my resident lawyer, and JP, my resident awesome kid, um, walk me through this. So this is by Andy Chalk. And so reportedly, Bethesda intentionally sabotaged Rune 2 to protect the Elder Scrolls. Bethesda sabotaged a game on purpose? What? Yeah, I was like, what does them <laughs> doing it intentionally look like? <laughs> you know? Damn, JP. <laughs> I'm just saying. We it's all the closest right. thing to damage we've done all day. We all know what Bethesda's about. So um, in December 2019, and I, this is news to me, I don't remember this game. Rune 2 published Ragnarok game, sued original developer Human Head Studios alleging that Human Head had attempted to destroy the game by very publicly abandoning it on launch day and then refusing to turn over the source source code and assets so another developer could take over the job. We could have transitioned the game if they weren't able to participate anymore. We could have transitioned naturally. Here's a source code. We'll help you find somebody, said executive producer Matt Candler. They didn't do that. They actually did everything they could to to prevent us from supporting the product. And so the lawsuit has now been amended or changed to include Zenimax Media and Bethesda Softworks, which was announced in November 2019. That's the day that Human Head went out of business. It had hired the entire team and then reassembled it as a whole new studio called Roundhouse Studios. Um, So it implied that the studio had reached out to Bethesda after the decision to close has been made. Right there, they closed the studio that made the game and then just recreated themselves into another game another game studio okay so help me understand this in very basic terms rune 2 posed a threat to S- skyrim and the elder rolls uh, not elder rolls elder scrolls that sounds <laughs> delicious where do i get one i want an elder roll okay so rune 2 posed a threat to skyrim and the elder scrolls so it was publicly abandoned on launch day by the studio? I just don't understand what's to be gained. Yeah, so apparently it has something to do with the Elder Scrolls license as a whole, and so I'm trying to get to that part, but I don't see... It's just very similar, and I think that's the thing with copyright, is once you make something that's so close, there's a lot of murky water. Is that fair to say, Zar? Yeah, um... And I mean, we've seen this. There's a current lawsuit going on between Nintendo and those people who made that one game that really, really looks like Breath of the Wild that we talked about. I cannot think of what it is. It makes sense uh, why they wanted to shut it down. And unfortunately, from what I'm seeing in the article, they're completely justified in doing so. 
because they they pulled the ultimate legal loophole shenanigan circus right here. They shut down this this company was going under. They abandoned a project probably due to Bethesda like threatening them. Um, Bethesda buys up the company. Company gets scrapped, um, reassembled. And now Bethesda owns Rune 2. They couldn't give the source code because this deal was probably already in the works, meaning that Bethesda would own it. And that even if, um, oh, what is the, yeah, Ragnarok game, even if they wanted to claim the source code, they they couldn't because everything just got backdoored and... It, it was a huge sleight of hand trick. They had the source code almost in their midst, and then Bethesda comes up, snatches it, and they don't have a leg to stand on because all of these documents have probably been signed and all of these purchases have gone through. It sucks, but there that's a that's a really tricky legal system right there. The thing I just don't understand is how on earth did they imagine that this game would take away any of the fire that is literally one of the biggest games ever created, Skyrim, and the Elder Scrolls in general? I have a little tidbit into that, JP. That's a great point. One early review of Rune 2 described it as Skyrim on steroids. And so I don't know if that just scared Bethesda or they were just worried that since they don't do as many bugs as Bethesda does, that it'd be a better game. I, I don't know. But even then, I mean, I just I just can't imagine. Skyrim has literally been on almost every console released within the last the last two console generations. At least it's even on the Switch. Yeah, I'm just saying it, like this seemed like some uber paranoid bullshit. And that's that's exactly what it was. And I mean, We've actually seen this in the background quite a few times through the history of gaming. A bigger studio is worried that a smaller game will take up some of their spotlight. So they purchase the company just to scrap that specific game. Zach, that was that's a wild article. This is wild. Yeah, man. You know, sometimes I find good stuff. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. You do a great job and I love you. It was a really good article, a little confusing, and unfortunately, I am really sad to say that Ragnarok game doesn't really have any grounds. This this lawsuit is either going to be thrown out or it's it's going to go straight to Bethesda and Zenimax. It should. It's a bunch of baloney. What's going on here? I mean, I I wish I wish the game could have come out because this this is just very. It seems just mean and bullysome that Bethesda would shut down a game like this, especially when a company really wanted to work on it. Well, unfortunately, with the next article, we still don't have a lot of great things we're talking about, uh, <laughs> which is why I'm more than happy to give Zar the mic now that I have shat the bed. Here you go, Zar. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Fallout 76 is still kicking and we got a little teaser How? trailer. I don't know. How I guess this game alive. There's like 30 people that still play it, I guess. <laughs> mm. But with this teaser trailer, we get the introduction to a new campaign about the Brotherhood of Steel. And it looks kind of cool. Um, it looks like it's it's just going to not make the game any better. It's still going to be buggy. And I honestly have some chronological problems with 
how powerful the Brotherhood of Steel is after the opening of Vault 76. But that's that's a whole other lore section that we don't need to talk about here. <laughs> I have played Fallout, but I didn't get super into the story by any means. Tell us more about the Brotherhood of Steel. So the Brotherhood of Steel, um, little bit of backstory. There were two factions pretty much at the start after the Great War. And the Brotherhood of Steel was more of like the U.S. military branch. And then... Um, I believe the Enclave, which is basically the mirror of the Brotherhood of Steel with power armor, they were uh, basically legislative branch, I think, because they worked on directly under the president where the Brotherhood of Steel split from the president. That's all the U.S. history that is there because then the Brotherhood of Steel basically became a religious cult almost because their main goal is to track down any ancient technology any sort of technology that is within the united states wasteland and claim it for their own study it and then make sure that it doesn't fall into evil hands but since this is fallout and there is no good guys the brotherhood of steel doesn't usually use all of that tech for the benefit of humanity and if they find you with some tech they want, they'll kill you on the spot just to steal that fancy laser rifle out of your hands. Yeah, but let's be honest. Anytime you're doing a campaign of Fallout, the Brotherhood's the most fun to be a part of. Oh, they really are because, you know, they kick ass. They have the weaponry and the power armor behind them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really curious to see what the Brotherhood of Steel is going to be doing in West Virginia. I'm I'm pretty sure they're just... GP on three, one... Two, three. West, West Virginia. Virginia. Oh, there's another lawsuit. <laughs> we only said one line. It's fine. Why do we keep getting sued? We were so out of tune that I don't think anybody could recognize it. That's a good point. So here's a question I have for you. Why are they still working on Fallout 76 like it wasn't a huge disaster? Do you think they're trying to do the No Man's Sky approach where they're trying to do everything in their power to save it. What do you think's going on here? Yeah, they're just trying to break even here by tr continually adding things to get people excited. I mean, it it's very much a what does the community want? Because one of the most recent updates added uh, human NPCs because for the longest time in this game, there were no other humans in the game except for online players. Every... AI that you talked to was a robot and everybody was like that makes no fucking sense so Fallout or so Bethesda was like okay fine we'll put human NPCs and I think that's what happened here is they're like where's the Brotherhood of Steel I kind of ran out of things to do so I'm like okay fine here's the Brotherhood of Steel what I've always liked about Bethesda in particular is yeah they get a lot of flack for making these buggy unfinished games rightfully so i'm not defending them that is 100 accurate but also in most of their games you can feel love in the game like you can feel this great concept and a lot of love that went into the game it's just execution that <laughs> they need to work on and hopefully now that they belong to microsoft they're gonna work on that a little bit fallout 76 was just one of the only products where i'm like okay there's no heart nor is there quality in the product. Like, this is just a flop. It's just an awful game. I 100% agree, because 
The Fallout series is one of my most treasured game series of all time. I will mm -hmm. always enjoy a Fallout game. And in fact, I had a lot of fun with Fallout 76. Um, I, I got to like level 200, but you're absolutely right. There was very little care. It really felt like they kind of copy and pasted ESO into Fallout. And mm -hmm. some of the aspects were cool, but their execution was terrible because you can't do any end game content without like three other players on your side. And I don't play nice well with others. <laughs> and Fallout could be such a cool like four person co-op game, but not an MMO. Ugh, Bethesda just really missed their mark with this game. And like I said before, they're just trying to get back to even. I don't think this DLC is going to be worth it. I don't think it's going to add near enough content to do players justice to bring them back. We just need a new Fallout game. They need to finally put this to bed. No addition of content is going to make it better. It, it is because Fallout was so beloved. And I mean, Fallout 76 in itself was already, you know, a dagger in the heart of all the Fallout fans. And then just trying to see see them revive it like this. By the way, is there a price on the DLC? Um, I did not see one on because all we got was a YouTube video. I don't know and, it off the top of my head, but if it's not a free update that goes to the game, I mean, it better, let's, it should be. I know Wastelanders, which was the last DLC, that one was free. And I only know that because my Xbox decided to update that DLC just last night. <laughs> just like, we're going to just give this to you. It's like, no, I don't, I don't, it's eight gigabytes. Get it off. Yeah. Nah, download it faster, you say? Okay, okay, bud. So I would imagine that it's free. Um, Bethesda has no right or grounds to stand on by charging anybody for any DLC for this game. 100% agree. If, if you are brave enough or, I don't know, you hate yourself enough to, that you're still playing Fallout 76, you might be hyped about this, but otherwise, it's going to get swept under the rug doubtful because anybody that actually likes fallout is going to either be playing new vegas or fallout 4 yeah and uh, that brief tangent that's what pisses me off about fallout 76 you go from fallout 4 where settlement building is one of the most fun things to do i built a you're damn right I built, I built a floating castle over sanctuary and it's glorious it's got a a death claw fighting arena in the center of town I'm gonna have to check that out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. I have a YouTube video on my very first YouTube channel where I do a house tour of this, of, of my sanctuary. You go you from that city? amazing <laughs> settlement building to Fallout 76 where you can still build a settlement and they can be really cool. But I, I, I never once built any settlement. I would always just stick my camp equipment down and then put up the uh, benches, the work benches that I needed to use, plus a bed if I needed to sleep. Because it doesn't matter. Even while you're offline, your base can be attacked. And so like I would come back, log on to 76, and all of a sudden my settlement was nuked and all of my work was just gone. That's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Why do players need that? All right, I'm, I'm <laughs> done. That's my angry tangent. <laughs>
All right. Well, we don't have to talk about this game anymore because now we can talk about some new, better games that are coming out with the game releases. Who wants to do game releases? I got you. Yo, Zach, give me some sweet game releases, bud. For the upcoming game releases, we have Egos, a game of space coming to PC VR on October 28th. Gibius is coming to the Nintendo Switch on October 28th. Strobophagia, Rave Bar <laughs> is coming to PC on October 28th. No, hold on. What's that word? Strobophagia? Strobophagia. Ah, okay, okay, okay. The suffix is science. It means engulf. After that is Auto Chess coming to PS4 on October 29th. Blair Witch, Oculus Quest Edition coming to PC VR on October 29th. That's going to be good. Spoopy yeah, I heard season. that game was really good. I checked out the trailer and it looked amazing. And all I've heard is good reviews. Esports Life Tycoon is coming to Nintendo Switch on October 29th. PUBG Season 9 is coming to PS4, Xbox One, and Stadia Woo! on October Stadia. 29th. Undungeon Arena is coming to PC on October 29th. Watch Dogs Legion is coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Stadia on Stadia! October 29th. Two Stadias. Two. Swanyan Sword 7 is coming to PC on October 29th. I would not have said that. I would have butchered that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I really tried on that one, viewers. I really did. Um, the Dark <laughs> Pictures Anthology is Little Hope is coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One on October 30th. That'll be pretty good, too. Our Pikmin 3 Deluxe is coming to Nintendo Switch on October 30th. And The Wizard and the Slug is coming to PC on November 2nd. Holy crap, we're going to November, boys. It's already November? We're going to make it, 2020. We're going to make it. Yeah, but 2021 is not going to be any different. Don't say that. <laughs> 2020, you have to wear a mask. 2021, <laughs> you still have to wear a mask because you were dumb enough not to wear one last year. <laughs> All right, Zach, what's the hype up game? It's Pikmin 3 Deluxe coming to Nintendo Switch on October 30th. If you guys didn't know, Pikmin 3 is a real-time strategy and puzzle game developed and then published by your boys, Nintendo. It is the sequel to the GameCube games Pikmin 1 and Pikmin 2 that were released in Japan. So this is this is actually super hype. We've been talking about this game quite a bit with, you know, the, the crazy announcement that was like, hey, Pikmin 3 is coming, and also it's going to be here in, like, four weeks and they're like what and obviously that also came after you know another disappointing nintendo switch uh direct or nintendo direct one of the partner showcases which sucked and then they launched the trailer for this three days later what is happening yeah nintendo's really been an emotional roller coaster this year <laughs> what we have here is a failure to communicate <laughs> a that failure is to communicate never been nintendo strong suit and I don't know, I guess they just don't want to like say something's coming out and then delay it because they really are pretty good about not delaying games. Rest in peace, Metroid Prime 4. The only thing that's holding this game back for me is it's $60. And it's got a few deluxe features, but nothing that has like significantly... What's, uh, what's a little disappointing about that is there's like top shelf Switch games right now of games that have been out that have not even come close to dropping in price. You know, think of games like Breath of the Wild and uh super mario odyssey hell even hyrule warriors which i just picked up hasn't gone down in price that much honestly i see pikmin 3 being in the same boat where i don't think we're probably going to get a whole lot of discounts on this game yeah i i'm kind of upset with nintendo about how they continue to add wii u ports over to the switch for 60 dollars. i mean they're doing it because 
those games did not sell very much for the Wii U. So they think that they can make some more money from the Switch, which they can. But I just have a problem with a game that's already been out for years that you're charging $60 for just because it was optimized for the new console. Did you buy a Wii U? Nope. Then you can't be as angry as me. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, we we even saw it with uh, Mario 3D Land plus Bowser's Fury. I mean, yeah, the Bowser's Fury is cool, but is it enough to justify a 3D Mario game for $60 that's been out for years? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 3D Mario, I will always pay top shelf price for because you always get a top shelf game. You have to pay top shelf price. You don't have an option. But like you can go buy a Super Mario 64 copy on the N64 and it's probably going to be more than 60 bucks right now. Oh yeah, it's going to be about 120. They actually have a decent amount of sales that go on in the eShop for like indie games and titles that have been out for a while, but it's like there's like this exclusive collection of games that are on the Switch right now that are not going to be dropping in price because we already know that they aren't. Um, Animal Crossing is another one of those games. I highly doubt we're ever going to see that game drop below $50. And hell, even Octopath Traveler, which wasn't even that popular, not in America anyway, that's one of those games too, where it has not dropped in price since its release. But that's not the point. The point is Pikmin 3 really is going to be good. And if you got 60 bucks just laying around and you're sick of the flashing and the constant fighting in your face and you need something to just veg out to a nice strategy puzzle game, Pikmin 3 is a great option. Yeah, this seems like it's going to be a redo of like Animal Crossing where it's your nice break that that just gives you peace. I don't know if there's much else we can say about this game, boys. Drops on October 30th. You should be hyped. It's going to be a good game. Be kind to your Pikmin. Be kind to your Pikmin. Czar, without, I am bad at spoiling things. What are we doing for the Saturday episode? Ooh, well, it is the spoopy season, so we have a Halloween special coming up this Saturday. It actually is the 31st of Saturday, and that's when the episode's dropping, too. That's perfect. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize that. That's awesome. <laughs> you mean just like you planned? Yes, yeah, just, just like, like we I planned. Because <laughs> we are three smart individuals who own calendars. Yes, I do. I do own a calendar, but it's the Markiplier Tasteful Nudes calendar, and I'm not taking that bad boy back out. Plus, it's like three years old. (laughs) Signed by Markiplier himself. But it's three years old. You have no idea what day it is. Signed by Markiplier (laughs) himself. I love that man. Anywho, we will see all of you on All Hallows Eve. (laughs) Spooky. Spooky music. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. You just got your Game Tea. Spooky boy.